more about Jesus. We've been studying more about Jesus and His final days on earth. And today is kind of a conclusion to that, at least that portion of it. I have another couple of lessons in mind that kind of go along with the, the theme. Um, but this is the conclusion of the series uh, as I planned it. As we were singing that song one day, I picked it because it went through everything that we have been through as far as our our lessons are concerned, or at least for the most part anyway, I think with the exception of maybe the first lesson. Um, but it talks about the prayer in the garden, and, and it talks about uh, Jesus being hung on a cross. It, it talks about Him being resurrected, and today we're going to look at His ascension and what that means to us. As we look at how Jesus was ascended from the earth, as the disciples were able to see him ascend back into heaven, he, in essence, had to prepare them for this moment. And so in the days following his resurrection, he appeared to them. He appeared to certain of his disciples to show them that he was alive and left them with that message to tell others. And in preparing his disciples for his departure from them, we see that he appealed to their faith. Most of our text is going to be taken from Luke 24, the portion taken from Acts chapter 1 also. But in Luke 24, beginning with verse 36, now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they stood, still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Before he can, can share with them their mission and what they are to do following his departure, he must affirm with them that he is the Christ, their Savior, and their Beloved. Without faith in the Christ and his resurrection, they cannot share with others this message. They must also believe it. And so he has to convince them that he is alive. Christianity itself is founded upon faith in Christ as the one who was crucified for the sins of man and resurrected from the dead. And we also understand as we studied last week that without the resurrection there is no victory. There is no victory over sin, over Satan, over the powers of the grave. But with Jesus... There is victory. Once they believed, 
that it was in fact Jesus in the flesh that could move forward. It was the apostles that were originally given the commission to spread the gospel throughout the world, establishing and maintaining the church in the rest of their time on earth. This commission is also given to us as Christians now that the work of the apostles is finished and they are departed. At least their work on earth is done. But we continue their work. We continue in the church. We continue doing those things that they set forth for us to do. Faith in Christ as the risen Son is fundamental to Christianity. One cannot be a Christian and be pleasing to God without faith in Christ. It's mentioned in Hebrews 11 and verse 6. It is up to us also to affirm our faith in Christ and preach the good news of His resurrection to the world. As we look at Luke 24, we, we begin with verse 44 in the final discourse that Jesus had with His disciples. Luke 24 and verse 44. Then He said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. As we look at the beginning of, of these verses, Jesus had spoken to his disciples many times regarding future events. And many times they did not understand what he was telling them. Look for a moment at Matthew 24, verses 1 through 3. Matthew 24, verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and His disciples came up to show Him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? What Jesus was speaking of was the destruction of Jerusalem. But they didn't understand. They didn't understand that these things, the, the beauty of the temple, all of this was to be destroyed. And so they asked questions about these. In John chapter 2 and beginning with verse 18 So the Jews answered and said to him What sign do you show to us since you do these things? 
Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. So, whenever Jesus spoke these words that, that in three days that he would rebuild the temple, he wasn't talking about the physical temple, he was talking about the temple of his body. And in three days, he would raise it up. And when he was resurrected, when he had spoken to them, and when he had convinced them that he was the Christ, they believed. And they remembered these words. The importance of their faith is shown in that while they did not fully understand what was to come, they relied on God and His promises, and through it all, they continued serving Him. In verse 44, Jesus again says, Luke 24, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. All things must be fulfilled. What things must be fulfilled? Basically a summary of all that was written about Christ in the Old Testament. All those things that, that were written of Him before time, they must be fulfilled. To give you some specifics, that Jesus was to be born of a virgin. was prophecy fulfilled. Isaiah 7 and verse 14, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call His name Emmanuel. Isaiah 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon His shoulder, and His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This was fulfilled. Jesus was born of a virgin. The Virgin Mary. He did come to earth. And in His time on earth, He prepared His disciples. He established this government. In Isaiah 53... We are given great detail in regard to the crucifixion. Isaiah 53 and verse 4. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity 
of us all. And really the entirety of that chapter is, is almost completely devoted to the things that Jesus would suffer on the cross. This was to be fulfilled. And the promise that Jesus' bones would not be broken. Psalm 34 verses 19 and 20. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. That was fulfilled. And in John 19 and verse 36, it says here, For these things were done that the Scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. These things must come to pass. In order to establish the faith of those that would follow Jesus, these scriptures must be fulfilled as it was according to God's plan. These scriptures must be fulfilled. And though many things were fulfilled, we understand that this was not the end of Christ's story. Through His death and resurrection, Jesus had brought salvation to man and it was now the responsibility of the disciples to carry that message to the world. Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20 Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And leaves them with the promise. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Mark 16, 16 adds, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. It is up to the apostles to carry this mission forward to, to teach the gospel to every creature. And those who believed it would be saved. But there are going to be many who hear the gospel message that refuse it. That refuse to obey and they will be condemned. The preaching of this message of salvation would begin in Jerusalem. Moving forward to Luke 24 and beginning with verse 50. Luke 24 and verse 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Jesus' departure was something that must come to pass. There was a, a time for Him to be crucified, a time for Him to be buried, a time for Him to be resurrected, but there was also a time for Him to ascend back to His Father. As a matter of fact, this departure was discussed between Himself. Moses 
and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. In Luke 9, verses 30 and 31, we read this, And behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, literally his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. In his departure, we also understand that the Lord was glorified. Paul praying for the brethren that they might be given wisdom, knowledge, and understanding wrote in Ephesians chapter 1, and verses 19 through 21. Ephesians 1 beginning with verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come. In response to the glory, the glorification of the Lord, the disciples worshipped and obeyed His words, returning to Jerusalem, waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises. They worshipped. Rightfully so, they worshipped Him. In Acts chapter 1, we know that Acts is another of Luke's writings, and, and so this continues very well uh, one into the next. But in Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 4, we read this. Acts 1 verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Here we read of the assurance. The assurance that there is something beyond Jesus being with them. There is something else that was to come.
Jesus' earthly ministry was fulfilled and Father's will for His coming to earth was accomplished. Jesus had offered Himself as the perfect sacrifice for mankind, offering to all salvation. He had been resurrected to reveal His power and authority over Satan and His workings in the world. His ministry, His mission on earth was fulfilled. And as we read in verse 11, as the disciples were gazing up into heaven, they are given the assurance that just as Jesus had ascended, just as they had seen Him depart, so He would return in similar fashion. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus... We shall always be with the Lord. Matthew 24, and beginning with verse 30. Matthew 24 and verse 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And He will send His angels with the great sound of a trumpet, And they will gather together His elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And in verse 36, it says, But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. What man would give to know when Jesus is going to return. There have been many that have speculated. There have been many who have offered predictions. Many of them have already passed, but many of them still are in the future. Just from a personal standpoint, I would say that that Jesus probably won't come on one of those days where people expect Him. That's just my personal opinion. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven. Not even the Son. But my Father only. They were looking into the sky. They were wondering... What, what's happening? What, what's, what's going on? They, they didn't know what the future would hold for them. And these two men in white apparel told them that Jesus would return. So as we 
recognize the ascension of Christ to be with His Father, we also recognize that one day He will return for His own. As we close our lesson, let me ask you a couple of questions. Do I have to answer out loud? Do you have confidence that the Lord will return for His faithful and His own? You know, Jesus Himself promised that He would return in an effort to, to provide comfort for His disciples. He said to them, In John 14, in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's a promise to us that Jesus is going to return. He has told us He is going to return. And when He returns, we want to be ready. We want to be found faithful. We don't know when that's going to be. And we may all pass from this life before Jesus returns, but we know that we'll all be gathered together to meet Him in the air, as Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians. But are you ready for His return? In Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, as we read a moment ago, the the disciples that were spoken to by these two men, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? As we look at Christ, many times what we think of of His resurrection, what we think of of the events that led to that, we think of of the crucifixion and and all the things that Jesus suffered. And then we see that He was raised from the dead. And we look at the resurrection and it's a great moment in time. But I wonder how many of us are left gazing up into the heavens looking for the Lord to return. We look at our world and and we recognize the evil. We talked about it in our Bible class this morning. The, the, The great evils that surround us, our nation, and not just our nation but others as well. And we look with longing eyes toward heaven because that's where we want to be. We want to be in heaven. I think we, too, are left gazing up into heaven looking for the Lord's return. But the disciples had work to do. They couldn't stand there gazing up into heaven until Jesus were to return. They had much to do. 
we see the establishment of the church on, on the horizon of, of what we have been reading today. They established the church, Peter speaking that, that first gospel sermon and telling them what they needed to do to be saved. And it's up to us to spread that message. The, the, the apostles were originally given that commission, but it's up to us to fulfill that commission today because they are not here. And so the responsibility of carrying the gospel into the world, it, it's up to us. We carry the message that people need to obey the gospel. By faith, repenting, confessing of their faith in Christ and being baptized for the remission of sins, they must obey the gospel in order to be saved. If you believe, have you obeyed the gospel? Are you a child of God? If you have obeyed the gospel, have you remained faithful? Are you one of His faithful children? Are you doing the things that you need to do? The things that God wants you to do? And as we look at ourselves, as we look at ourselves as Christians... We see that we have something that we must do. If we've obeyed the gospel, if we are faithful, then we are carrying that message into the world. Reaching out to the lost souls. Recognizing its great power to save all who are willing to be obedient. But let's not stay. Let's not remain gazing up into heaven. Looking for the Lord's return. There's too much to be done for us to be gazing into the heavens. Let us continue doing the work that God has set forth for us to do. We continue doing what we're doing today. Gathering and worshiping God. Each day of our lives we go into the world with the great news. That Christ is alive. That He has been raised victorious. And that through Him we can be victorious as well. We offer the Lord's invitation. As we always do. Any who is in need of responding in one way or another. Maybe you're in need of obedience. Maybe you're in need of repentance. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness for something that you've done or for prayer on your behalf. But we offer this invitation to you. And we pray that you would come. Let's get we stand and as we sing. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. There's danger and death in delaying. Accept. God's saving grace. His life on the cross He has given. Oh, come while yet you may. He's earnestly pleading. Oh, make no
Paramounts of the Lord's Supper will sing number 688. Number 688. Thus remember me. 688. 